0: Welcome to Inside the Pressure Cooker, where cooks and chefs share their stories of life inside the kitchen.
1: Yoga is sort of like cooking in the the sense that when you're really with it and you're like one with it, it's this dance and you can really go inward and find your own inner innate wisdom and just be with it and be with, it's like that mind-body connection that you find in cooking, you also find in yoga. And it started out very much as a physical thing for me. I think a lot of people, it starts that way. You know, like I said, I was always really active and God knows my body needed it. And um, I just really got into it. But through 2020 and up till now, I've really, really discovered the spiritual side of it. It helped me find a, a... bigger sense of purpose at a time when I needed it. And that can sound silly to someone who's like, isn't it just like contorting your body in weird shapes, but it's really not if you're in the practice, you know, kind of like how cooking is like, aren't you just throwing ingredients in a skillet? Yeah, sure. Or you're learning and you're exploring and you're getting curious and you're mindful and you're present, you know, you're using all your senses. It's the same thing.
0: So I had the great privilege of working with Suki when we opened uh, the Meddlesome Moth in Dallas in 2010 to some pretty critical acclaim and uh, the restaurant just hit it from the beginning and <laughs> let me tell you, we had some very long ass kicking days um, for a long time. So it was, it was great having her on our team, on our team. Uh, loved working with her. And she went on to have a very successful career um, from there. Uh, working with the same group for a while, Mud Hen definitely was one of those restaurants that was fit for her. Um, like she mentions later on in this podcast, it's it's hard to tell if it was created for her or if she just became more of it. Um, but we had a great talk and conversation about restaurants and uh, the mental health side of things on how we can, uh, as chefs, be consumed by the restaurant, um, and so involved in it, and it's such a, a passion that you you get lost in it, right? So when you kind of get lost in it, it's you're you you're, you become part of it, and it's it's hard to tell. Where the restaurant ends, and the person begins, and vice versa, and it was and and you think you're controlling it, and then you're you're done. it consumed you there's nothing left for it to get from you, so it it pretty much chews you up and spits you out um and to start over, hopefully um you're listening to this and learning from this. Um, and taking away something that will help you not be as consumed by the restaurants as as I once was um i I lied about it and said you know it's a passion and it, which it was um but I was almost in denial on how much I was consumed by what I was doing uh, but I also truly loved it so it's it's really hard to tell um where where that line in the sand is, but the beautiful thing about it is is finding your purpose, both in life, inside the restaurant and outside the restaurant. Um, And then if you do happen to be consumed so much by that restaurant or the restaurant industry, and you just get spit out, it's about finding your purpose again and bouncing back up and not being defeated by it. So enjoy the rest of this conversation. And please, if you haven't already, go to Instagram and look up, four dimensions wellness it's all spelled out f-o-u-r dimensions wellness um and then her website is fourdimensionretreat.com definitely something to look into it, it don't neglect yourself don't neglect your body your mind or your soul enjoy this conversation all right here we are suki thank you so much for joining us um Give me a quick elevator pitch, 30 seconds. Uh, Who is Chef Suki?
1: That is the question I've been asking myself, I think, as I've started this journey, um, kind of evolving. So I was in the restaurant industry for a a while, um, enough to know that I needed change, you know, Um, but enough to develop a lot of experience. So I worked at various restaurants across Dallas and gained a lot of experience and then was ready for change. So in 2020, I um, left the service industry and found retreats and um, knowing knowing that I needed something food adjacent, like food is my passion and that's what I want to do. So I became a chef of retreats, which then led me to um, learning to teach yoga and sort of developing my own business. So it's been quite a process.
0: Definitely, so I mean, what got you into cooking to begin with?
1: That's such a funny thing. like my dad my dad always says, like, were you just up late one night eating bonbons, getting stoned and you like saw a culinary school commercial or something like because it just sparked out of nowhere. Um, but once I decided I wanted to do it, I was just driven. So I was working. I had always kind of been in the serv- like food industry. I worked at an ice cream shop and worked at various places in high school and then I was like really getting into it and wanted to expand on it so I was working at a cake shop with a bunch of gals that were going to culinary school and it just inspired me like I wanted to do what they were doing and so luckily I had the support of my parents to go through that process and it was a foot in the door for me so I went for pastry and then that really evolved into everything once I got into my externship out of culinary school, I was working at Uchi in Austin and, you know, had the opportunity to touch a lot of ingredients I'd never seen before. And that passion just exploded. And from there.
0: So would Uchi be the place then you think that you knew that that you had made the right choice?
1: Yeah, it terrified me. Honestly, I was so in over my head. And I that little culinary certificate made me think I was something, you know, like I was hot shit and gave me the confidence to walk in that building. And I was like, Oh my God, I know nothing. (laughs) I have so much to learn. I want to learn it all. So,
0: yeah, no, it's, it's funny how much you can go through with culinary school and it's, it opens up your mind in so many ways and all these doors open up and you're just like, hell yeah. And you're excited. And you're like, I got this. And you walk in on your first day and you're like, I'm a fucking idiot. (laughs) Yes.
1: Oh my God, I know nothing. Like in culinary school, you're in this container that you feel like you know it all, even though I was still super in over my head. In culinary school, it's a lot to take in. You know, it's a whole new language, Mm -hmm. a new way of life. Like it's a lot. i was like 17 years old, wide eyed thinking I was going to do it all, you know?
0: Oh, wow. So you were only 17 when you started then?
1: I think I was like 17 or 18. I graduated high school early. So, okay, I was ahead. Maybe I was eighteen, going on nineteen. I can't. I honestly can't remember, but I know I now. That's still felt pretty young, young for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, like just felt super young, and that allowed me to progress in my career at a young age too. You know,
0: I get that. So you're down in Austin for a while. You ended up up in Dallas, um, and you kind of made your name with Mud Hen. Uh, kind of tell us a little bit about that. I mean.
1: Yeah, Mud Hen came into my space at a time, at the right time for me. Like I had um, kind of polished my skill enough that I felt super ready. Like I had kind of worked to build my skill set, I guess, in a way, um, mm-hmm. and was ready for... I had been with corporate for a while, and my passion was calling. My creative juice was flowing in, in needing outlet and it just kind of came about in a way that i'm so grateful for i can't even tell you like mud hen just felt like me it felt like i mean there was so many things it was a space for me to learn to grow to express myself it was it was me on a plate like i um i loved that project a lot so
0: tell us a little bit more about mud hen i mean So tell us more about it. Like, what what is it?
1: What is I know, right? Oh my God! Yeah, I talk about it like everybody knows what it is because I feel like everybody should. It was a um, healthful, you know, the buzzword farm to table um, concept in the farmers market in Dallas. Um, We were sort of ahead of our time. I think that's kind of what we were up against, and why we ultimately didn't survive. Is that we were a huge space in an area that had not been quite developed yet um and we you know gave it our all for the time that we did but we it was all about healthful food that was good at affordable sustainable prices you know i wanted it to be we wanted it to be um attainable let me think of the word i want to say like accessible we wanted it to be accessible because quality food should be you know like I think in particular in Dallas there's such a a push to like be something big and be on the map and and all that that food kind of has evolved away from just being a way to survive (laughs) you know like we all have to eat we all have to eat well and that can sometimes feel really challenging and so you know, our goal was just to have honest, good food that was accessible.
0: Yeah. Dallas in general has always kind of been more about, God, the the entertainment value of eating um, and, like, what's trending now.
1: Yes. Gold flakes and anything. bone dust and, you know, people, like, <laughs> pretending to like things they don't like for the sake of trendiness. Like, give me the real food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: No, and I feel bad for people that jump on that trend because once that next place opens up, you go from being like the hot place and you're packed and restaurants making money to you're empty and closed in six months. Yes. Because you're just no longer relevant.
1: Yep. That's exactly how it felt. Like when it got hard, we were left in the cold. You know, there's not like in Austin, there's this keep Austin weird support local and they mean that like. There's a support of local businesses and in Dallas, it's just sort of on to the next thing, especially if you're not, you know, we were kind of outside of so many people's zone, literally, um, right outside of people's yep. zone. And so, yeah, you just can't survive that way if you're not the neighborhood spot or the next best thing.
0: yeah no i mean it was it was a cool little space um you're right though it was you know the farmers market in dallas is it's it's just outside of everybody's touch apparently i mean it's still de- it's definitely a lot more developed now um but it, it's it's taken a little bit
1: uh yeah it has it really has and you're right it's expanded um, a little bit and you know sometimes you're just too early. Like the irony that we closed at the end of 2019 and then 2020 happened was such a kick in the teeth because I was executing Mud Hen food at my next restaurant and I was like, man, this is when Mud Hen would have thrived. I mean, people were just looking to be nourished. And that's what we did was just give you honest, kind of like diner grandma style but healthful food. And like we would have thrived. <laughs> So met him. Yes,
0: it was kind of who Suki was. It was almost created for you, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it felt like that. I I honestly, because of when I joined the project, so I joined it in pre-opening development, um, what ended up being, it was supposed to be six months to a year or around that time, but you know how that goes. So it was about <laughs> two years at a time. And so I don't know if I evolved alongside the project if the project evolved alongside me or if we kind of became it I don't know but you know how that goes like when you get really passionate and really driven by something like it became an obsession it felt like it was me
0: I mean it's it's cool it's beautiful in the same time and and, and yeah I get it where it just it's um Consuming. Yeah, I mean yeah well they just become so. Um, yeah, I mean, consuming is, that's, that's a, that's almost an understatement in in many ways. Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, it's the best way to describe it, but I don't think, you know, uh, chefs and others in this industry will understand, but anybody else outside will not. Um,
1: there's no way to describe it. That's uh-huh. the most messed up part is like, even when you're on the outside as a young chef, You almost have a hunger for it in a way that, like, if it was described to you, for me, if it was described, I'd want more. (laughs) You know? Like, you're like, yeah, that's twisted. Sign me up. Like, (laughs) you just have this drive for the – it's that creative side that's, I don't know, for me, a little chaos demon.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and, I mean, it's a – I mean, because all of a sudden it's it's like you're opening up Pandora's box too, mm-hmm. and it's just the the whole all of the amounts of chaos and the crazy and the creative dust all comes out, um, and you, I mean you, it, it becomes consuming. Where I mean, you are that restaurant, and then the hard part with that though is feedback, criticism, and in some degrees, failure are hard to not take personally.
1: Amen. I absolutely. And I don't, I didn't, nothing can prepare you for it either. Mm -mm. That was, that's, what's crazy making is it all for me, like became such crashing symbols, you know, as it was all like, crescendoing to an end and yet I was so a part of the storm I became the storm you know that it then it was like whoa it all just kind of settled and I was left with this rubble to dig through and assess in a world where I was used to just being on to the next thing on to the next menu on to the next event like that's what you do is like just keep going okay next show show must go on
0: Yep. <laughs> no, it, it, it's just when you go from that creative element and everything's just vibing, if you will, to then just standing at the bottom of it all, just wondering kind of like, what did I, do? Like how, what did you I
1: do? And it's such a sense of rejection for me of like, yeah, if you when you crack yourself open and put yourself all the way out there and give everything you have to make it work, you know, like that. Hustling, scrambling, scrapping, like hoping you can make it work because you're holding on for dear life in every way that you're like, y'all really didn't like me. And it's not about you, but it feels like it's about you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And as much as you want to tell yourself that it's not a personal thing, it's impossible to not take it that way.
1: Right. That's the dissonance. That's the like really crazy making thing is you have to tell yourself it's not about you, but if you did it right, it sort of is like if (laughs) if you put your all into a project and give everything like, okay, it sort of feels like it's about me.
0: (laughs) Yep. No. And honestly, I think a lot of that is where chef egos come from where I have always, I shouldn't say always, but towards the end of my career, it My philosophy on on a chef's ego was it really wasn't necessarily ego um, for some. Yeah, it is. But I think for others that ego was more of a protective measure, like a, a barrier or a shield that you would put up to prevent yourself from being hurt by some of that feedback.
1: Totally. Yeah, you have to act like you're the biggest one in the room when, you know... Yeah. Um
0: yeah, all those chefs and those egos that that are, you know, pumping their chest up and you're just like, dude, why are you such a douche? Well, at home they probably go home and cry in the corner at night.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, you ha- ha- it's like a survival skill that that yeah. definitely is an interesting perspective. Yeah, because you're being told by guests and owners and all this audience that you're putting yourself out there for like not good enough, try again. So you do have to develop an ego like no. <laughs> you know, like
0: Yeah. You don't know what you're talking about. When Fuck really you. you're like,
1: oh, I am a piece of shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean I, I think for some that's kind of where their ego comes from. I I think others, I, I think it's just <laughs> I think they really are um that egocentric. So
1: I think that can happen. Like you're little in a big world, you know, you have to pretend to be big at least, (laughs) but Dallas kind of does that. It's so competitive. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. you, you see these little pockets of community, um, but it can be really like cutthroat and, and not welcoming. I find, I hate to say that, but it can feel that way, you know?
0: Yeah. I I understand that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, especially there's just the little different pockets of chefs. I'm not sure if that's what you're referring to or or if it was like the clients.
1: No pockets Um, of chefs. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I kind of avoided those because I didn't want to be. uh, It's not that I didn't want to be included. But it just it didn't feel natural for me.
1: Same. I was like, I just wanted to do the work to do the work, you know, because I was passionate about that and my team and like kind of my bubble. I never got into the clickiness side of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think there's maybe opportunity there and connection there and maybe even support, but yeah, I just never got into that part.
0: That's funny how the shows have their own little clicks and and um, but that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of their own community, but.
1: Well, yeah, it's a, we, we live a different life. We speak a different language. Like we all want to be surrounded with like minded people that get it. Mm-hmm. You
0: know? No, I get that. So mud hen, healthy, inclusive, not exclusive. Um, but not healthy being like the trendy negative term where It was uh, what I would say a very approachable restaurant where it was, you could eat healthy without feeling like you were eating healthy.
1: Yes, that was the exact goal. Like, kind of like you trick kids into eating vegetables. Like, hey, did you know these are vegetables? (laughs) You know, like that kind of thing where we wanted, I wanted to introduce people to interesting ingredients in interesting ways that just kind of gave new perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, and that also, again, was affordable because sometimes if it doesn't feel attainable or within reach, then then weird is just weird.
0: Now, um, did you always eat that way or is that something you trained yourself for for this restaurant?
1: Kind of both. I'm a, I am a healthful and wellness person. Like I've always been into, I've always been active and like into fitness and things like that. Um, but it definitely sparked a passion, and then I got to work with a couple nutritionists in in the pre-opening development, and a and a dietitian, and so that really, like, spoke to the nerd side of my brain in a way that I really wanted to learn about it, and became super passionate. So that's when I say, like, I don't know if I developed alongside Muddin, or if Mud end developed alongside me. Because, sure. Yeah, I definitely went all in on it and, and was buying in on what we were doing, you know, that it was just good food.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. And I love how you refer to like that nerd side of you because there's, there's always that one topic uh, or at least one that every chef has that he just totally, or she just totally just geeks out on. Yeah. Um, and so, so for you, it was working with a nutritionist and dietitian.
1: Yeah. Like understanding food, um, you know, I think I went into it knowing flavors and understanding cuisines, but understanding food and how it relates to the body is, is something that really sparks my interest. Like how we use it, how we, it fuels us, um, you know, nourishment as a whole is fascinating to me that food can be medicine if you use it correctly. Absolutely. The whole chicken um, soup for this whole thing is real.
0: <laughs> um. No, I. It's, you know what? Someone sent me a book. Uh, my aunt did, and I'm trying to remember what it is.
1: It is.
0: Oh, cleanse to heal.
1: Cleanse to heal. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's essentially like a liver detox book. I mean, it's thick, and it, it talks a lot about, um, just essentially cleansing the body. But it's. It's all about, I mean, it, you're ridding yourself of, uh, salts, sugar, uh, I mean, s- salt, <laughs> you can't, you're not allowed to use salt in this one, uh, any Whoa. salt, any fats. Um, and it's all about using organic produce. You get rid of, uh, in the beginning, all proteins as well. Um, and so it's just about all the recipes and everything is, you know, it starts with like celery juice every day. Um, I haven't actually tried to follow it. Um, is being the father of two young kids. um, And I know my wife doesn't want to follow it. Um, It would be impossible for us to do it, but.
1: Oh my gosh. It's an interesting. The whole family is eating, you know, whatever you make them. And then you're with your celery juice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sitting there just like, uh, you know, my kids, what's for breakfast? (laughs) Hey, it's celery juice again for breakfast, kids. Yeah. That's going to go over real well. (laughs)
1: but you know they say that works like there are things that we could be doing from Mm -hmm. nature that they say is you know incredible for you simple simple ways like celery juice can create all this detox all this rejuvenation in your body you know and that's available to us yeah and yet we like do these detoxes and all this all this kind of Product and overproduce stuff. Like, that's what I'm talking about is like food is medicine, and yet we're like ordering the next tea or whatever.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, we kind of talked about this a little bit offline, but was there a book that you ever referenced, or whether it's when working with the dietitians or uh, nutritionalists that um, for learning some of this?
1: It was kind of layered. So there was, well, Nourished Broths, I think that's what it's called. There's a broth book, I think it's called Nourished Broths, that really talked a lot about the value of bone broth. And um, I loved, loved that one. Like it really, we served bone broth at Mutton, And um, mm-hmm. it's so good for you. Like, again, the chicken soup for this whole thing. It's regenerating of your gut. You know, it helps with inflammation. Helps with collagen, like it's a good way to start your morning. There's so much about bone broth that's really great for you, great for your immunity. Um, and then this one called Bug Kitchen.
0: Oh, that yes. That
1: sounds so silly, but it was really fun. It was it's like a it's just playfully written. It's got some colorful language and great pictures, and then it's some interesting ingredients and it's a vegan cookbook yep. with interesting ingredients, and that's what I liked about it. So Mud Hen, we tried to do plant forward, vegan friendly. Um, So, you know, I think vegan can sometimes be taken to this extreme that has all these stigmas around it. And Mm -hmm. we really followed like the plant-based. So I wanted to understand interesting ingredients and it kind of provoked me to discover some that ended up creating some of my favorite recipes. So like I discovered this ingredient called nutritional yeast, which they refer to it in this book as fancy Cheeto dust. And that's exactly what it tastes like is (laughs) Cheeto dust. And it's um, deactivated yeast. And oddly, it tastes like cheese. And so I put it randomly. I was messing around with recipes. um, And I didn't have any dairy. And I was actually trying to come up with a dairy-free sweet potato mash. And I was like, let me try this fucking Cheeto dust. Like, that sounds awesome. Put it in there. And it was delicious. And it's one of my favorite recipes. It's so simple. It like takes sweet potato mash up a notch and it's not, you know, marshmallow, gooey, brown sugar, whatever. People love <laughs> to do to things like take a sweet vegetable and make it sweeter. No. This really highlights it. So anyways, that that book really stuck with me because it was fun.
0: Yeah, no, I love Thug Kitchen. I mean they're they're was it like eat like you actually give a fuck? Mm-hmm. I, I yes. mean, that's great. And it, it is and that, so well written, um, that you just, yeah. you really get into it.
1: Yeah, um, it is fun. It's just like a fun read and you're right. Like and that's kind of what we were wanting to inspire people to do at my end was eat like you care about your body. Eat like this thing's got to last.
0: You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, and I mean, you mentioned inflammation too, and it's, it's funny how much inflammation, um, uh, we battle on a daily basis without realizing it. It's, I had to get into my 40s before I realized what that word was Um, and how much it was breaking down my body. Uh, And uh, before it was just like, you know, hey, take some leave and keep going. But now it's like, oh, God, I've got to do a whole diet to get rid of this. I can't just take a pill.
1: Um, Right. That's the thing because it's all inflammation is cumulative in the body. And so if you're not addressing it daily and you're continuing to consume inflammatory things, I mean, that was what ultimately happened to me and kind of a health crisis that l- led me to my journey was like my body was screaming at me. And I was just trucking along, keep going like, yeah, you're supposed to be in pain. That's how you know you're doing it right. <laughs> you know, and um, my body just started saying no, no. And anyways.
0: No, I get it. I, I, we we went through. things yeah I think we went through a very similar experience um that kind of caused us to make some transitions mm-hmm. and it was just long term stress just developing um health issues that was essentially just the inflammation that your body stopped fighting it. it couldn't fight it anymore um and until you found a way to kind of heal a little bit I yeah mean, so what, yeah, like what they, was that for you?
1: They it's What was like your a,
0: healing path?
1: Well, they, yeah, I was going to say, it's like a filter. Like your filter just gets full of sludge, you know, and then can't take anymore. And mine was like kind of a, almost like a snap. Like I, I didn't realize truly the impact that Mudhan had on me going into 2020. Like they said, I was just kind of on to the next thing. And, um, you know, then you're just taking hit after hit with that year of, like, open, close, pivot, pivot, like, talk about moving just from an ego. Like, you've got people asking you questions you don't know answers to and um, just kind of praying for it to be over, you know what I mean? Um, And it just, it sort of broke me. Not sort of, it did. It broke me. Um, I just had this insurmountable amount of grief and I had not a single minute to look at any of it. You know, there's just no time when you're buried in work and that's what kind of I was taught to do was just bury myself in work. So I had to pull myself back and step back. Um, and, and once 2020 kind of slowed down, I found a little bit of space to find clarity around that. And once I started finding space and finding tools, I just hungered for more. So I went on a trip where I climbed up a mountain and screamed from the top that I was choosing me, and I meant it. And I came down and made plans to do that. I went to a yoga retreat and um, found some stillness and and a job <laughs> that seemed a whole lot better than what I'd been doing, and it was food adjacent which felt safe to me it it was so scary to leave the industry like so scary to walk away but i knew i had to because it was consuming me i mean i was a shell of a person by the end of 2020
0: yeah it is it it wasn't consuming you It, it it already consumed you
1: preach that it had yeah like i just was kind of Going through the motions, you know, the like set it up, break it down, set it up, break it down Mm -hmm. that you do like, and then you want to talk about having no purpose. You're setting it up to throw it in the trash or setting it up to put it in a box. You never wanted to serve your food in. like degrading, but that's what took me all the way to the depths of like, oh my God, I've got to change this. There has to be something else. There has to be sunlight like there used to be passion here you know like it I think all my passion was kind of sucked away so going and working at a retreat center really helped me to find space and to be with the ingredients again and to really be with the process because you know as you step away into that chef and you start to pan out like you get away from the food you get away from the why and um especially when I was serving food that wasn't mine and I didn't have a lot of passion around it. And that can sound like it's from an ego place, but you are more driven when there's a certain buy-in, you know? Um, So not having a lot of control is, is hard. But anyways, getting back to the ingredients was so important to me and like falling in love with the process again. Right. And slowing down and being like, oh yeah, this is why I started. That just really it allowed me to unpack the mountains of grief that I needed to unpack.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it, it's, it's kind of, uh, like you put it on your website, I'm looking at it. It's restart your, your spiritual journey and mm-hmm. kind of the, the re part I love how you do this, um, is kind of in those quotes or not quotes, uh, parentheses or something. Yeah. Um, You know, so it's, whether it's your restart or it's a start, um, you know, it was definitely a, man, uh, just a a complete reset.
1: Yeah, that's kind of how I felt like everything, because everything kind of collapsed on me, I feel like I ended up going into this kind of cocoon. And so I was starting, but it was also like a reset, because I, so much had ended in order to start, you know, I think that's the. Poetic part is like every new beginning is another beginning's end, and I wouldn't be where I am, which I'm really excited about this new phase of my life. I wouldn't be where I am if it hadn't all kind of come to an end. So ultimately, I found gratitude for that, even though I was crushed by it when my hand closed because I was left feeling like, Well, what the fuck do I do now? Like, what do I do with my hands? You know, I'm like, Uh, uh, (laughs) what is my purpose? (laughs)
0: I mean, I absolutely, you know, what is my purpose now is, I mean, it's kind of sad that you have to ask yourself that question, but yeah, I, I mean, I get it. It was, is, it I mean, and it, it really sucked for me. Where married and two kids and I walked away from it. And I mean, I went into this depression because I'm like, I have no purpose. And I was like, it, and I'm like, well, dude, you've got this family. I mean. That's not purpose. Mm. You know, but I was I mean, I was lost because I, I really was like, what am, I don't know what to do. Um But I, I think it wasn't just the the because like you said, it consumes you. I was consumed and it was the only thing I knew. It was I mean, I've been in restaurants for my entire adult life. And and it was just it was also just because it was the only thing I knew.
1: Right. And that's why exactly and like at that was one of the most valuable things I learned at my first retreat was like to be a human being, not a human doing. I was like, Oh my God, I've just been doing and doing and doing. <laughs> what does it mean to be? I think I shared with you like the first time I ever had an afternoon to just sit in a hammock, I was like, Here I am sitting in a hammock, sitting in a hammock, like doing that thing where you sit in a hammock. I had no idea how to just be, you know, (laughs) and and then kind of taking away those labels. Like, again, who am I at my core? Like, why did I set out to express myself on a plate? What what was that person really trying to say before I became my job, before I became chef, like before I had those titles and labels and became the doing, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, cause you're right. That's the person that has the purpose and the drive.
0: Yeah. And I mean, but like, I yeah, we did talk about that hammock and it was, it's <laughs> funny how it was it, very similar where you go from like being in c- control of the chaos and just the insanity and the pressure and feeding off of it. Um, yes. At least you thought you were feeding off of it. And <laughs> You know, um, turns out it was feeding off you.
1: Exactly. The host becomes the virus.
0: Yeah. Um, and then as soon as like, all of a sudden it's quiet, you know, you're just like, I I mean, your, your mind doesn't stop. And and so even though you're like, I get to just be, you're just still sitting there. Like, I mean, well, then I gotta do this. I gotta do this. I mean, it, I don't know how long it took me to really turn my brain off. In and, and actually relax and kind of reconnect.
1: Yeah, it was, it's, you're right. Like it, now that you're saying that it was kind of an, um, a nervous system unwind. You know, I think that's for me why yoga was so helpful. Like, and I really rediscovered my practice in 2020 because I, and I was doing a practice called 26 and two that is, um, the same sequence every day. It, it's, the same 26 poses. And um, I needed that. I needed that consistency, that stability and that stillness. And that was where I started to observe my thoughts and realize like, Oh my God, there's just shit flying around in there all day long. Like order this. Don't forget that. You know how it is. Like the things that you just keep in your head and you don't know how, like the, the to-do list and the thin and all the things that only Chef knows, You're like, have to learn to set all that aside because yeah, your mind because can
0: just run with it. Was, it was that internal timer that we used that
1: mm-hmm. I
0: mean, it wasn't also telling us when that piece of fish was cooked without having to set a timer. You just knew, um, or going to the oven and just knowing that something is done because it's, uh, you know, you, you develop that internal timer, but that internal timer is also just, pure anxiety in your head that is reminding you of all the shit you got to do on a daily basis to keep that restaurant running.
1: Yes. Yes. And then there's that crazy making time where you like, yeah, what I was just picturing like the moment when you think you have something in the oven and you don't, that's the crazy making thing. Like, <laughs> is it an internal timer or am I just crazy? You know?
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, I mean, it's it funny how yeah, some of that internal timer is still with me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I surprise myself sometimes. Um, is it it was funny how some things uh left me. Honestly, like my hands were the first thing um I noticed when I was outside of the kitchen for a while. And it was just washing the dishes one day, and all of a sudden it was like, damn, this water's getting hotter. <laughs> And it was like, no, nope. And then like another time I pulled a bagel out of the toaster, you know, and I was putting some cream cheese or something on it for my daughter and I was getting it ready. And I swear to God, I thought the bagel was going to burn a hole through my hand. And I was like, Oh, I mean, I was just like, I'm weak again.
1: (laughs) That is hilarious. I have just started having that recently because I haven't been in, in kitchens as much this year even though i've been doing retreats i haven't been on the chef side as much so yeah like i was i was just telling my boyfriend i'm like i'm pulling rotisserie chicken and crying like a little bitch like i'm just like ah oh, oh, this is so hot like what happened to my asbestos fingers so i just sat and held the chicken i was like being stubborn trying to open up the wound you know yeah it is so funny this water's getting hotter
0: <laughs> nope um, so yoga that was your reset, yeah, and it became your new path. So, can yeah. you tell me about that.
1: I think you know, honestly, I think it sounds random or or like what yoga chef, but yoga is sort of like cooking in the in the sense that when you're really with it and you're like one with it, it's this dance, and you can really go inward and find your own. Inner innate wisdom, and just be with it and be with. It's like that mind body connection that you I find can see that. in cooking. You also find in yoga, and um, yeah, I just I love it. I and I loved, and it started out very much as a physical thing for me. I think a lot of people it starts that way. You know, like I said, I was always really active, and God knows my body needed it. And, um, I just really got into it, but through 2020 and up till now, I've really, really discovered the spiritual side of it. And, um, it helped me find a a bigger sense of purpose at a time when I needed it. And that can sound silly to someone who's like, isn't it just like contorting your body in weird shapes, but it's really not if you're in the practice, you know? I like how cooking is like, aren't you just throwing ingredients in a skillet? Yeah, sure. Or <laughs> you're learning and you're exploring and you're getting curious and you're mindful and you're present, you know, you're using all your senses. It's the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm. So your uh, four dimension retreat and on your Instagram, it's four dimensions wellness. Like, What are the four dimensions?
1: Four dimensions being um, spiritual, the mind, the body, and the social. Um, so spiritual is kind of your higher power or what's beyond you. However you perceive that, um, mind obviously being over the matter and body being the physical part of wellness and then social, you know, I think we've all learned deeply over the last couple of years, how much social connection, is important. So that's and that's what you get through joining around a table together all the way to retreats. Like that's what we really find at retreats is reconnecting with yourself and reconnecting with others.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, like I, in our community, I when I say our community, I'm not talking about the chef community. I'm just talking about the the global community as a whole. The concept of social is Man, I don't want to say damaged, but it's it's not there anymore. I mean in social media is not social sitting mm-hmm. by yourself in a corner on you know going through and talking to people that there's nothing social about that. I mean, social means one on one in person
1: yeah, really connecting like get, yes. being vulnerable. we are tactile beings too we're I think we're communal beings. So there's something so isolating about social media and the poor use of that word.
0: Yeah, Um, I mean, there's nothing social about social media.
1: Yeah, and then it's like that false sense of I've seen my friends this week when I haven't, you know? So I think it almost discourages the connection that we all crave. I mean, I think so many of us were like little kids or like, you know, whatever, when we were trapped inside and told we couldn't see our friends.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I mean, there's people, like the body and the mind needs human interaction,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like true human interaction. I've always believed in that. Totally. Um, <clears throat> so you're also doing, I'm just taking a look here. So, I mean, yoga coaching, mentorship, I mean, what... Tell me a little bit about those.
1: Yes, so I um, I teach neurosomatic trauma informed yoga. Um, So we, you know, when you have traumatic experiences, those experiences can tend to get trapped in the body, and so through this practice, we use gentle techniques to help release that. Um, Plus, it's just a really nice, gentle flow. Um, So I really, really believe in the practice and love working one-on-one with people we have you know that's when you can really have deep work and really deeply connect to yourself and it's more tailored to you um and i use all sorts of techniques like meditation and breath work and and things like that to make it a really intuitive flow um i do mentorship which is like a container of sessions like a committed container of sessions. So we'll work together for six to eight weeks. So you can really see the long-term growth. You know, I think kind of doing a one-off here and there isn't as impactful as committing and going all in. And with that, I offer nourishment coaching. So, um, oftentimes at my retreats, I get asked for meal prep, but people kind of live far away. And so I can't really provide food to everyone that I meet, although I'd love to. Um, but I want to teach people how to do it. You know, food and caring for yourself is not only an act of self love, but it's a survival skill. And it's a survival skill that we've all gotten away from in terms of convenience and what we believe is a convenience in pricing. And often I don't think people realize that good food doesn't have to be expensive or put you out or be complicated. So I share my, um, my strategies and techniques of how I, prepare food and menus for retreats and kind of help people design their weeks around healthful meals. And I share like my butt and recipes and all of that too.
0: Fantastic. And then so some of the whether it's yoga coaching or the mentorship, I mean, is that people need to be local in the DFW for that? Or is that something you can do online?
1: No, I do a lot of it virtually, which um, is really great. Like I've definitely over the past couple years, Seen the value of virtual and the impact. It might sound strange, like even when I started doing my first, in 2020 is when I discovered virtual yoga because they didn't have a choice. Yep. And I thought it was weird at first, but once you get comfortable with it, I actually really enjoy it. And I enjoy being able, as a instructor, I enjoy being able to meet people where they are on their mat. Like I've had times when getting to a studio or getting somewhere just felt so daunting, it felt like this extra step. And I love the idea of, okay, just turn on your computer and there we are together, right where you feel comfortable. And, and it doesn't, you know, rather than having travel time to a gym or a location, you get more time in the work. So a lot of it's done virtually, which is great.
0: How long until you're doing it in the VR world?
1: Oh my God. I don't know. Freaky, (laughs) but I think that's coming. That's why I think it's, there's so much value in us getting comfortable with this way of life
0: yeah I think some of those headsets might need to get a little bit smaller before uh trying to do yoga with one of those things on your head.
1: oh my god, it quite paints quite the picture <laughs>
0: um and then so uh, events you talk about when you're doing um your catered retreats um you do those quite a bit I mean, do you have those on the on the books coming up or
1: yeah, so I work with a couple properties and and um kind of do freelance work as a chef and then do some custom retreats. So I do anything from corporate retreats to, um, you know, bridal weekends or reunion weekends, that kind of custom stuff and offer a lot. So we do workshops, custom menus, sound baths. I work with different um, practitioners to offer all kinds of things at our retreat. Like I've really, Um, Been able to make some great connections and find, you know, sound bath people, massage therapists, um, some great yoga instructors and meditation leaders that I work with. So you can really do a lot and have your own custom experience, which is really fun.
0: That's cool. So what you mentioned this a few times. What is a sound bath?
1: Um, Okay, so it's this really cool experience where all kinds of instruments are used. So it's like a meditative journey. Um, So most often you'll be like in a yoga studio or a meditative space and they'll set the mood, you know, dim the lights and, and get it all cozy and then use these bowls that are attuned to various, they're like glass bowls or sometimes metal bowls that are attuned to different sounds and take you on a meditative journey. So, the sound vibrations can help clear your energy and and um, help you go into deep relaxation and meditation. So you can have some deep visualizations. All kinds of things can happen. It's a really neat experience. Hmm.
0: Yeah, now that you mentioned that, I I do remember seeing that. and I don't remember where, but that's interesting. Yeah, they've so, gained
1: popularity, interestingly.
0: So when it comes to yoga or or being involved with you like i mean what i mean obviously reach out to you through your website or through social media instagram and uh on facebook um but how like someone like me middle-aged 40 year old guy probably needs to be doing some of this stuff or or making more of a commitment to it like where do you get started
1: that is what I love about one-on-one client work. I think some people are so intimidated by yoga. Like I've heard people say, oh, I'm not flexible, which is ironic. because I'm not. <laughs> Do more. But do more than, you know, like um, I, I saw a yoga instructor that said, that's like saying I'm too dirty to take a shower. Like you, you're the one that needs it if, if you're not flexible. So that's what I love about the one-on-one work is I get to meet you where you're at. So it takes the intimidation piece of walking into a studio where – you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be the only one that doesn't know what these words they're saying are and who doesn't, who can't touch my toes. Like it takes all of that intimidation out of it and you get to just learn and play. That's all yoga is, is, you know, learning to touch your toes like a kid again. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a little bit more than that. Yeah.
0: Okay. So this is great. Um, we'll definitely have to put that out there and, and share it with you, uh, with our audience as well. Um, and, and I love how there's more and more people that are getting more into the mental health side of things and refocusing their mind, body, and spirit in so many ways where, I mean, we had almost pre-COVID really, um, COVID was the way for so many of us to kind of find that and require that reset. And, and get there. Um, But, you know, thinking about it, you know, our parents' generation, where if they went through what we went through um, with just COVID, and because the mindset was, if you ever felt how we did, that broken or that burned out, um, just mentally and physically just done, in in being able to transition as something healthier, (laughs) that, you know, in, in reclaiming your life, was considered weakness. Um, right. But, but now it's, it's considered strength. I mean, so uh, it, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and if you haven't taken a look at it or, or known about it, and I, I found this on, a, on another show that I was listening to, it's called the burnt chef uh, foundation. It's based out of the UK and it's all about just bringing um all that back and kind of bringing it to the forefront of the industry um and they're they're doing a lot of really cool stuff and and a lot of it it's all free it's free education um you know helplines it's uh we almost need something more like that here in the u.s but for now it's um it's definitely a great resource
1: at least someone's doing it okay i'll check that out that's awesome
0: Well, Chef, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I know time is important to a lot of us. And uh, look forward to sharing your story with everybody pretty soon.
1: Thank you. This has been an honor. I've enjoyed chatting with you this morning.
0: And thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Pressure Cooker. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show and leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you on how we're doing. And lastly, if you'd like to be on the show go to insidethepressurecooker.com and fill out the form. It'll tell me a little bit about you, some of your story, and how it applies to the show. We'd love to hear from you and love to have you on the show.